Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. Hope you're well. This is a bit of a unique episode because Corrine is someone who I absolutely adore. We catch up every now and again, not often enough. And the last time I paused her mid-conversation and said, I think we need to record this for the podcast. So we did. And we start off by, we were talking very much about human design. If this is not something you're familiar with, it's worth going back to episode 12 of Michelle Wong, where she introduces the system that is human design. And uh, we talk about all things to do with um, how our children are brought up, how we can help to ensure that they don't had the conditioning that we perhaps did in our generation and we get onto all sorts of topics around money and weight and all the things so I hope you enjoy this episode the special episode brought to you by Corinne and I. So talk to me about human design then. Where are you going with that? Yeah, I have been, um, this week I had a woman who, she's also a coach. She's in one of my masterminds with me, reach out to me about her daughter. She Mm. has a four-year-old daughter who is very, very challenging. Okay. And she was like, I'm at my wits end. Mm. Like, can we just pull her chart? Let's take a look. And we took a look and there's so much wisdom in it. Wow. I love it. There's so much to explore. And so I've really been diving into, if you look at Ra, the founder of human design, some of his early teachings and early work, he really talks about how human design is not for us. It's for our children. Because Mm -hmm. while we can decondition the, the real magic is for those who have not yet been conditioned. Oh Can you imagine? Oh yeah. And so I've really been like, and you know, my, my, my history or my, my previous experiences in education and kids, you know, I owned a dance school and I taught, I had taught kids for years, mainly girls, but I had quite a few boys too. Um, and so the unique thing about being a dance teacher is that I worked with kids of all ages all the time. It wasn't like I worked with one grade. Mm. So I worked with preschool to high school. Like I was having the babies that were coming in for the mommy and me class on the same day as I'm having, you know, juniors and seniors in high school. Mm -hmm. So I have this, and I'm really passionate. I was writing a dance curriculum. I was really passionate about like child development and how kids learn and ages and, and watching them, you know, and I'm really into, uh, the Waldorf school and Steiner and like his curriculum and how they divide child development from like zero to seven, seven to 14, 14 to 21. in these three distinct stages that like mimic the biological changes in children. Wow. And so I've just been like, maybe, this is like, this is just really calling to me of like, what if I could be a voice for misunderstood children? Oh my gosh. You know, like what if we could start to, what if I could start working with mothers or parents or any caretakers? Um, what would that look like? And what would that be like? Because that just feels so in my wheelhouse, so natural. 
and you know, as with the ages of my children, it really lines up um, because it's so my all I'm doing when I'm not working is like observing my kids and being like, what's going on with this? Mm. How can we handle this? This is an interesting behavior, you know? And so, yeah, so that's, it's, it's just like, it's very much like budding because I think where the holdup is, is I, I need to figure out, gosh, can you teach parents human design if they don't know their own design? Like how much alignment work and ed- alignment education needs to mm. happen before we, so it's not commoditized of mm-hmm. being like, here, I'll read your child's chart. And then it becomes this thing that they smack. On. And so it's, then it's not even really being used in its authenticity, because I think that's the thing we have to be so careful with, with human design is that we're really understanding it for the body of work that it is and the nuances that it has rather than making it like you just tie it up in a bow and yeah. package it in and, and then you just commoditize it and sell a thousand yeah a thousand readings or something so yeah. it's 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 strange isn't it because I'm I'm fascinated by understanding my own design more and I'm starting there but I can already see in my clients I'm already thinking I think you might be a such and such and then when we get to theirs I want to be able to help them understand it more so I can only imagine if you get your kids and if you do it at this sort of um it's not surface level but if you like surface level understanding of your design it doesn't really add too much it's only when you sort of immerse yourself in understanding it more and like embodying it yourself so yeah I'm sure there's more way more depths and like a process to thinking about that um but that sounds fascinating because yeah so much of the work we do right is for the deconditioning side of things for us as adults like unlearning all the stuff that we were taught that's not true about ourselves and stripping it back and unboxing and all that sort of stuff and reclaiming ourselves that that reclamation piece. And I love human design for that. But yeah, the thought of a generation where they're understood, they understand themselves and they're understood by their parents and their teachers and all that, that sounds quite incredible. Yeah. And what I've really been kind of feeling into very organically, it's just kind of is like, for me, it's really been this, I feel the energy of the other. If that makes sense. It's like by understanding me and by understanding like, this is the effect that I have on a room. Mm. This is the way that my aura feels. This is the way that my energy, this is what I, this is the frequency that I bring into a room Mm -hmm. And this is how it's going to affect the manifester aura. This is how it's going to affect the projector aura. This is how me and the projector are in relationship. Mm-hmm. This is how me and another, like, this is how me and a, in it, like, just, but it's in this very, um, like, I, I just feel like I'm just sensing my energy body. Mm. And then as a result, sensing energy bodies all around me um which is not normal right not everyone's walking around sensing their own energy body let alone anyone else's no no and (laughs) and also it's like it just gives me so 
much more ability to to forgive mm. and just to be in understanding in of the other in a way that I never like I've always been like oh yeah let's accept everybody or you know let's be forgiving and that sort of thing but when I understand that I have a very unique way and frequency that I bring to every situation that I show up with and that that's the same for everybody else around me. Like we all know everybody's special and everybody's unique, but I think it's, we understand it on such a surface level. And then when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, it's like, it's me that matters. I'm the star of my movie is, you know, and, but really like looking at the design of things has me just in this, it's just like, I don't know. It's just a different way of it's like I'm experiencing myself through experiencing the other, which actually in my design really makes sense because I'm a five, two. And so right. I have inter- interpersonal karma, mm-hmm. which means my carnation cross is a left angle, which means that my life is very much about the, in my relation to the other. And so that actually makes sense that I'm seeing the world this way, you mm-hmm. know, and then for people with right angle, incarnation crosses their experience of the world is very much the experience of the self oh I think I must be right angle (laughs) are you I can't think are you a two four yeah yeah and you're a right angle yeah so if the if the number in front is lower ah okay you're a right angle and that means that your life experience is really about your your experience Mm. so the more you do to uh, within yourself to enrich yourself to that's the way that you positively impact the world around you it's Mm. through you and if you're a higher number on the front end um so you know our five ones five two six two i think there is that it um four ones no four ones are fixed. It doesn't matter. Those are all details. But, and so it's like, oh, this is making sense that I feel like I'm understanding myself more through understanding the other. Yeah, I get it. I love that. So, oh, so this is like a huge, like vision that's bubbling away. Is it, is it like, is that what it feels like at the moment or is it like, yeah. And it's also just like, how can we do this? Because I think what I've noticed too is again, it's like the commoditizing of human design versus the real, because it's like, Oh, I understand because literally anyone could buy this book (laughs) and read it and then be like, okay, this is, this is everything. This is everything in the system. This is all the energy types. This is all the gates. This is all the channels. This is all the profiles. This is, this is it. I got it. It's right here. Mm -hmm. All the planets. But so in a way, anybody who is willing to read a book can essentially say like, well, I can read human design, which in a way that's really awesome. So it is potentially very accessible, but again, it's like, it's that real, lifestyle embodiment piece Mm -hmm. that it's that's understanding the system is step one of (laughs) 10,000 
And step oh one God, of infinity. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had I've had three readings. I had one with you as well, which is more like a conversation to go deeper, which I absolutely love because I just get fascinated by this sort of thing. But I'm actually in um, a membership. Um, um, she calls it a mentor. With Michelle. With Michelle. Michelle. Wong, I saw unfolding. that. It looks so good. I was it like, maybe so I want to join that too. It is so I good. Would... Oh, please do. It's amazing. <laughs> um, we're just in the Voxer all day, every day. and But it's just given me such, under, like a deeper understanding. So I'm like, oh, I came off this masterclass and I was buzzing and I really wanted to sign up for this thing. But I was like, no, I'm an emotional authority. So I need to sleep on it. And then the next day I was like, meh actually I feel a bit down on it it's like no I'm still not out of my emotional wave yet so wait until I'm back to cool calm collected and it's like but then I'm making a decision from kind of like yeah I'm neither here nor there (laughs) so is that the right decision to buy it or not and it's just like being able to chat that through and understand it in a bit more detail and um I just I just love it I just love experimenting with it a little bit more and um, being re- like getting the reminders because it's so there's so much um that it's easy to forget when you haven't immersed yourself in the like education of it as you have but I absolutely love it and Michelle's great as well but um tell us about your kids then what can what are you happy to t- share about what your kids design are designing? yeah so my son is a projector right. um he is a splenic 5-1 projector and then my daughter is a generator. She's a sacral five one generator. And honestly, my daughter's design like kind of freaks me out. <laughs> and she's is she one yet? No, she'll be one at the end oh of God. May. This is amazing. This is so fascinating. Go on. But so both of my kids are five ones, which is cool. Um, so just I, briefly, what's that mean for people that? That's might, their not. profile. Yeah. So. Um, in human design terms, it's the heretic investigator. Those words don't necessarily mean a lot, but um, it's a pretty powerful profile. But both of my kids have defined head and Ajna, um, which is, a, it's, it's only 30% of the population. It's a very distinct way of thinking. It's very like they their minds are very self-contained. So their inspiration can becomes very much from within, but they also are very set in how they think. I'm like, that's going to be interesting. I have a wide open head. um, And I think I have one gate off of my Ajna, but it's both undefined. My husband is um, undefined in his head. So we're going to have these defined head children walking around in the house. (laughs) And my daughter has a defined root and a defined sacral, but she's completely open in the middle. Mm. So both pressure centers defined and then a lot of open in the middle. And then my son has the defined head Ajna and he has a defined root, but no defined sacral. And the whole thing with the root is the root doesn't know when to stop without the sacral. (laughs) So Uh, mm -hmm. I'm a little bit, my son though Mm -hmm. has like, he has a wildly defined G center. I think he has, I think there's 10, there's 10 or 12 gates on the G center and he has all of his gates defined except for two and a defined G center. So his like sense of, of personal direction is so powerful. And I already can feel that in him. And he just, 
it's he has this way of just yeah he's just very like I think he's he's very much going to be have an effortless leadership style if he can learn to to really follow his spleen and also honor his energy as a projector not going all the time um but he takes a solid two to three hour nap every day like this child basically puts himself down for a nap like when it's his nap time he's like he's three (laughs) and he's like all right and he like just goes to his nap bedtime is a different story but nap is like (laughs) and so it's so funny I'm like good projector he just knows he needs Um, to rest now (laughs) wow is your husband like picking things up or asking more questions about it or is he like whatever (laughs) he is like he's definitely not into it but my husband is very, um, he's very wary of anything that, like, he's one of those people that's like, I don't want something else to tell me about myself. So he's very wary of, of things like that. Like, mm-hmm. but allowing it to be in the conversation, he's not like shutting it down. It's just, it's definitely more my thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. He also is slow to come around to things. <laughs> You'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you say to people that are maybe skeptical? Because I mean, I've always loved like the personality profiling, type, like MBTI and things coming through corporate and team profiling and all that sort of thing. So I've always been fascinated to learn more about myself and be told. I'm happy to be told after answering a questionnaire. But this is different, right? This is based on how the stars were aligned, kind of thing when you were conceived. So how do you how do you kind of explain it to people in a way that kind of get piques their interest if they've not heard about it before well I just talk a lot about for you know if, if, if no one's if you haven't heard of human design or you're new to it I just talk a lot about how it's really related to your to your energy and your aura and so if we are going to accept I always tell people there's two things that you have to accept for human design to even be something that you would give a chance to one is that you have to accept that energy is everything. Everything is energy. Um, and the laws of quantum mechanics, quantum physics, and two, you really have to be open to surrendering, surrendering yourself to a higher power, a higher order. For me, I don't identify as a Christian. So the, the God piece and some of that for me, like this idea of like a higher order really makes sense that like, there is, there is like the, the world is not just in chaos. There is a higher order, but you have to really be open to the messaging that you receive. And so, you know, I think that your authority is really how like God universe really speaks to you so if you're open to hear the messaging through your authority you're willing to surrender yourself to the message and be like okay sacral is saying this spleen is saying this whatever your your authority is um then then you might be into human design if, if that sort of thing doesn't resonate, then it's, it's never going to work for you. And, and I, 
Um, but the other cool thing about it, there's, there's a few things that I, that I just move me so deeply about it. One is just the integration of all of the systems, the integration of the ancient wisdom of the I Ching, the integration of astrology, which essentially really astrology has been the way that astrology came to be. It's in the observation of patterns. So astrologers have been observing the patterns of humanity, what's going on in humanity when certain planets are here and there. It's not like they said when this planet holds these properties. I mean, obviously you have mythology, which originally gave the gods and the planets these different, but it's, it's really this like observation. And so then you also have, you know, the chakra system. And so what I think is so cool about human design is it really is like, hey, let's all get on the same team. This is right. This is right. This is right. And actually, when we allow the wisdom of each system to, to have, have its place at the table, then we can be like really whole as, 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 as a human race, as soul you know, as energetic beings. And it's, so it's like this marrying of all the ways and also saying like, look, this one is missing some pieces of this. So, oh, look, the, you know, the I Ching provides this. Oh, the Kabbalah tree of life provides this. And then, you know, the whole thing with the neutrinos, which are the, the, the particles that hold an energetic charge. It's this idea that we are impacted by these neutrinos. So, the neutrinos that were present in the atmosphere at the time of your birth and at the time when your subconscious was set into place, that's, that's the how, well, how am I affected? And it's like, well, because of these neutrinos and these are proven by, by scientists, it, this is real. If you're a person that likes, needs that scientific piece. Mm. <sighs> I could so listen to you all day. And I would also say never say never, right? Because I think if I'd have been presented with this, I probably wouldn't have even noticed it in my sphere of consciousness, right? Six, seven years ago or something like that. And it's only really now that I'm embracing it. And I think Adam's similar to your husband, actually. He, um, so I've like looked at his chart and I'm like, oh, babe, we're both emotional authority um, manifestors. <laughs> Which is um, so interesting. I know, way. I know, because we're rare anyway, right? We're a rare energy type. But that's what I was going to say. Um, when you were talking about this, um, this bigger power that speaks to us through our authority. So I'm, I have an emotional authority. And it's so interesting that for three decades, I have suppressed my emotions. So I have not wanted to hear <laughs> what my emotions have to say right and that this resonates so much because I do see it as my superpower now when I do theta healing for example um it's the thing that comes through strong strongly for me in the energy healing is my feelings I feel what's coming up or where it's coming up in the body for the person that I'm doing the healing for I've I've got so much it's it's just fascinating to think that I shut that down from quite a young age and it's only now that I'm really like tapping back into that and discovering the power in that. And that's exciting. 
And this, there's a huge conditioning piece around that too, because this is really what happens to a lot of children with emotional authority is that the, the people around them don't know what to do with those emotions. You know, it's like, so not only do you, of course you as a child, you're just actually responding to, to how the world is responding to you. Mm. And so when your emotions make your parents uncomfortable, your sibling, whoever, you know, is a big part of your life as a child, you're being shown to shut your emotions down because it makes other people uncomfortable. Mm. And so again, it's like really in this conditioning piece is it's like, and this, I think just goes for so many things with, with human design and with life. It's like the chicken or the egg. Mm-hmm. You know, is it's like, did you shut your own emotions down or were you shown to shut your emotions down? And then, you know, then this is, this is how it's imprinted and this is how you function. And so, yeah, like going back to just the power of, of having this awareness for our children, if someone had showed you, Emma, you're a very emotional person. This is how it's going to be for you. Mm. Oh gosh. Yeah. And no need to shut it down and suppress it with food, which is what I've effectively done for yeah decades. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I guess through that deconditioning that I'm going through now, I'm learning so much about and can see it in other people. Right. So there's everything happens for a reason and all that, but I can so see how the work you're doing because my sister's got two young kids and she's, you know, she's so mindful of how she talks to them and like how she allows them to experience their emotions because, you know, that's their only language, right? Growing up. But, you know, there's this constant concern. Am I getting it right? Am I doing something to like screw them over? And I think what the human design does and what you're talking about is it's going to, it's just going to empower parents to, to know what to do in those situations, I guess. Um, yeah. And, you know, you can really look at with your gates, you can see different parts of like helping to guide your children towards activities and hobbies and things that really are in alignment with who they are. Um, you can see these things, you mm-hmm. know, and so some of this is like, we don't want to use it as a crystal ball or we don't want to make it law. And that's, I actually didn't, I was really hesitant to pull my daughter's chart because I had heard from an astrologer a long time ago that she wouldn't pull a chart for a child that was like under a certain age. I forget what age it was because it's like, we don't want to then go and project these things onto our kids. Mm. And so I was really hesitant to pull my kids charts. I ended up doing it because it was just like, I can't not. And now I'm really glad that I did. But so again, it's like, like with anything, we have to use our authority, our discernment, and not allow ourselves to just make it the magic pill Mm. of like, well, now I know exactly what you I've I, I have this map of you. And now I don't even have to really parrot you anymore. (laughs) Because I just, I don't even have to like, listen to the feedback you're giving me because I know. So again, it's, it's, it's using this tool, but ultimately returning to the authority, continuing to return to your authority as a parent. Does this feel right? 
you know, because, and I think that that's where human design is also so empowering because it's like, here, I have this tool. Let's, let's look at this, but ultimately what's your intuition telling you? What's your authority telling you about your child? You know, because that above all else, when you can tap into that and you really can't go wrong. Oh, I love it. I can't wait to see how this journey unfolds for you then. So you'll have to keep me posted. Um, Yeah. Right now I'm in the how. I'm like, how am I going to provide this in a way that is on a level that's deep enough that it's an integrity, but also most parents don't have time to just start studying human design full time. So it needs to be like, created for a parent, right? Especially created for a parent with a child that may be challenging because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of times that's, you're going to, the first people you're going to draw are the ones who are like, oh yeah, I need help. (laughs) I need help over here. And so it's like, how can we make this information accessible, applicable, practical, I sound like Jana now (laughs) with all my (laughs) abul words, but really, you know, and I think that that's, that's one of the things that I, that I do love about Jana is she finds ways to make things a method. So Mm. that it's not so abstract. Um, And so I think that that's where I'm kind of looking and all, obviously I just can't be on readings 60 hours a week. Yeah, because this is going to be popular I can tell you oh yeah I can tell already (laughs) and because you're behind it I just know it's going to be amazing and so talking about Jana and her methods of belief ethics so both you and I are facilitators of belief ethics so um I think that's quite an honor to be able to pass that on to the world um and we spent a whole month together in woman woman of wealth by being herself didn't we in November last yes, year that's where is, we met I just I loved that month I don't know about you but that to me was just so special I keep coming like I come back to a lot of my notes from that time um and I also see how I think both of both you and I have like blossomed since then if you like in terms of our like how we're showing up online and our confidence and all that sort of thing so um yeah, belief ethics. How's it? How's it? Um, I guess impacted you on your journey specifically before you've used it. Yeah. So it's something that I definitely use on my own. I don't do it um, in a consistent practice. Like I don't have a daily belief ethics practice. I really do it on more of an as needed basis. And I've really one thing that I've really been working on in the past month is allowing my, my authority, my soul to be my discipline. So I've really been trying to be disciplined through what my soul is telling me to do in each moment, instead of making a plan or being like, I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to do, and also my life with two little kids doesn't really do well with like, I don't have mornings to myself because I don't have, there's no time of day that's consistently mine, except for when I block out my time to take my calls with clients. Um, I have to be really flexible. So I use belief ethics really on an as needed basis. And, um, I don't even necessarily always do it exactly, but it's more having the bigger picture 
one thing I feel like I'm really able to do is draw parallels between ways that negative or limiting beliefs are showing up in my life. So the example I had said to you before was I was having, um, I was going to take some money that I had had in savings for many, many years, and I was going to use it to pay for uh, my course. And I really had, I had basically created this baseline cushion of like, I will always have X number of dollars in the bank and there's no, no going below that ever. That's it. This is my, this is my baseline. And so I was like, I learned from another teacher, like you have to move your money. You have to move the energy of everything in your life to move the energy of to get to the next level. And so I was like, I feel like this money is asking me to move it from savings and like put it back out. And during that time, when I was going through the beliefs of like letting go of this money and what that was going to feel like, and could I handle it? Was it better to just accrue interest, but still have that money? Like um, I started having these dreams about like my first love. And I was able, because I think of belief ethics to, to very quickly see, I'm not missing my first love. I'm reliving the loss of something that made me feel very stable and safe for yeah, a time. What a good example. Yeah. And so it was like, then I'm having dreams about this person from who's like from almost now 20 years ago in my past, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, um, and then also with this money. And I think before I wouldn't have drawn that parallel, I would have just been like, why are you in my dreams again? <laughs> so annoying. Mm-hmm. But I knew immediately I was mm-hmm. like, this is this, and this is my subconscious really being like, these are all the ways that, um, that you have felt like exposed, that you have felt vulnerable without protection. Mm. You know, the loss of that first love is like so vulnerable without protection. And then like letting go of this money, it's like just this very vulnerable state. Um, so yeah, I think like just having the, the, And this is how I'm noticing too, that I really learn. It's like having this bigger picture framework and then being able to apply it or like see it as, as life is happening. And that's what I feel like belief ethics really did for me. It really showed me the rabbit holes that you can go down with negative beliefs and you think it's one thing, but then it's actually this other thing, but then it shows up, you're believing something else. And then that they, they come and there's, there's this through line. And then you're like, Oh my God, there's like six different times in my life that this theme showed up and they all, it just means the same thing. And if I can release one, I can release them all. Collapse the whole lot. It's like that Jenga pull out the ball yeah 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 and I just love the seven stages of success too oh yeah really valuable that is pretty cool I just love how you look at things as well like that you've got that big picture view on everything haven't you like you can hone in but you, you can see the big picture as well 
Yeah, when I have those models to look at, you know, then it's like, okay, the bigger concept helps me to put the smaller details. It gives my smaller details, like I can attach meaning to them or I can, mm. I can work with them. Mm. It's funny you should say about the money as well, because I've got the, so I took my car out on a, it's called a PCP, I think here in the UK. So it's like a monthly thing. And then at the end of it, there's a value. You can either hand it back and get nothing, or you can pay it for this value, which is a lot less than the car would be if you were to buy it at this time. And so it's like 18,000 that I have to pay at the end of four years. <laughs> and I've had the money because when I came out of my corporate job, I knew that I was going to have this money to pay if we decided to keep the car or if not to buy another car. Right. And that's been sat there for four, four years nearly. And I'm just about to, to pay it. And it's a big amount of money that I'm letting go. I mean, obviously it's going to be there in this car, but I'm also very aware that it's going to move some things that need to, that have been a bit stagnant. So mm, I'm very mm-hmm. interested to see what happens then when, when that starts to yeah move around a little bit. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. Though. But there's so many, like, there's so many ways that we essentially, we, we try to pad ourselves and create this protective barrier from ultimately being vulnerable to life. Right. And so whether that's in carrying extra weight on your body Mm -hmm. as this, like this way of protecting, whether that's keeping money, whether that is, you know, hoarding thing, like whatever it is, we, we like, we like hoard energy, yeah. right? Because if you think about extra weight on your body, yeah, it's calories, yeah. it's energy, you're hoarding energy mm-hmm. if in your bank account, you're hoarding energy, you know, yeah. if you are a person that, you know, like I said, it's like, whether that's a shopping addict, whatever it is, we, we, we try to like, Hoard energy around us so that we're we feel like we're less vulnerable yeah to the twists and turns of life so and so it, let's let's just go down that little rabbit hole it's not a rabbit hole but so I'm very aware that I have all this excess weight right and I'm I'm so ready to release it but it is not going anywhere so I'm holding on to it and I'm very aware for all the work that I've done it's protective it's purely protection I know the point at which I started gaining weight it was because I was massively hurt and my trust was destroyed and all that kind of stuff so it's protection I know it is and I'm so ready to let go of it so how would you coach me through that (laughs) I'm like all about not focusing on the thing Mm. so I wonder if like releasing the money You know what I mean? Not so much focusing on releasing the weight, not so much focusing in on like, but being like, where else in my life do I need to practice release to teach my body Mm. that I can handle release? Oh, I love it. You have so many good nuggets. I love it. Do you know what? I'm going to, it's almost like, it's not going to be an intention, but um, it's going to be a little experiment, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like what if your body could see 
like when you go to release that and how you handle, it's like how you handle the releasing of that money that has mm. been there for you that, you know, is there, you know, you're probably going to do this with it, but in the meantime, it's, it's there. Mm. You could, you could access it if you want it. It's, it's mm. like, you know, how does that process go? And can your body see like, oh, she can let that go. Okay. We could probably let this go. Look, Mm -hmm. look, we're still okay. I don't know. Maybe, Mm. but I I think it's like, it's like, where do you not, because it's like, we, I just feel like focusing on the thing is so, and this is why I love human design because we look at the person as a whole, all the parts belong, all, everything has a potential to have a high vibe or a low vibe your undefined center, your defined center, your gates, your channels, your profile, there is, it all is just pieces of the whole. And it's not, and I think we get so in our society of like, we want to get rid of the weight. We want to get rid of how emotional we are. We don't want to be so indecisive. We don't want to be so sensitive. We don't want to be so closed up. Whatever it is about ourselves, we want to change it or get rid of it. Mm. Whereas in human design, it's more like we accept it and we we just we we change the the expression of it. Mm. You know, because I know Michelle talks about this a lot as being a manifester of having a repelling aura. She was like, I don't want a repelling aura. (laughs) And it's like, well, I'm sorry, you have a repelling aura. That's just you do. But like, how do we work with the expression of it? You can't change your aura. That's the aura you have, Mm -hmm. you know? And so again, it's like, how can we instead of focusing on the thing, it's like, look at like, where are the, where are these themes? Where are these beliefs also in my life? And maybe instead of trying to focus on my body, I focus on something else. And then as a result, we change the frequency of release. Mm. Pretty sure you're onto something there. I love it because I've got to a place of acceptance like that was a big part of my initial healing around my body in particular and then I'm like ah oh, yeah but that's not <laughs> I've gone far enough with it clearly and it's not it's not just what you eat and how you move it's just it's just stubborn it's not releasing so yeah I love oh that. it is it's so much beyond what you eat and how you move mm-hmm. And I also think this is a really great example of like releasing the expectation around it, releasing the timeline. Mm, any attachment, yeah. Yeah, releasing the attachment to it because it's like, okay, I'm in acceptance. This, The more you get into acceptance, the more that weight is just going to kind of sort of start to dissolve itself, I would imagine. Mm. Because it's you're, you're, you're like indifferent to it. So Mm. it's like, well, I'm not, I'm going to like this. It's like literally the energy, right? The calories, the energy that you're carrying the extra. It's like, well, I'm going to go somewhere else (laughs) because you're indifferent to my, to me. Oh yeah. I love it. How did we even get onto that? (laughs) Releasing money. 
Yeah. Just one thing to the next, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, I mean, I do, yeah. The belief ethics, I think, I think if you can really approach, I felt like there was a time when I was doing belief ethics very robotically. It was like, I was just hammering it out. Like, especially with one of the programs that Jenna was doing where it was daily. Um, I was just kind of doing it mindlessly. And the more that I just allowed it to come in and out of my life as it needed to and trust again, my discipline to soul, then it was like, every time I would do it, it would be like, Ooh, what's this? Ooh, where else is, Oh, geez. You know, (laughs) this is something that is the way I, and I, we all know this, right. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything, Mm -hmm. but to like really make those connections Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I wish I could just hold you hostage and speak to you all day, every day. Well, let's, we should speak again. I love (laughs) speaking to you too. Definitely. (laughs) Um, uh, Assuming that we're doing the podcast. So for for anyone listening, how can they get hold of you and connect? Yeah, I'm on Facebook and Instagram is Kareen Mickler K, one R, two N, C-O-R-I-N-N-E um Mickler as it sounds and then K K A Y E and that's it for right now I'm I'm very organic I'm very uh I'm very in my own process of of soul aligned business so come follow along um I am offering readings and um coaching packages around human design one-to-one and that's kind of where I'm at with the extent of my services, but definitely some new things coming, but yeah, just staying in really staying in trust of that. I I am where I'm meant to be. Mm -hmm. And so I only have two social media handles and I Mm -hmm. only have two offerings and that's exactly where I'm meant to be right now. Perfect. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. I've loved this conversation and I think it's definitely, uh, one for the podcast so um thank you thank you it's always I love connecting with you